the Quarantine Spook Show and Kyle Carezzi. Oh, my mic was acting up. So there were some pretty sick jams that were missed out on. But I have the basic chord forms intact. Experimenting with a new key, one that I'm not used to. reflect itself uh, within the episode. More technical dif- uh, more technical difficulties may be forthcoming, but I suppose we'll find out. But anyway, I digress, uh, whether you're listening to this live or during a future uh, listening session. This is Quarantine Spook Show, where I do improvised horror stories. I pick out random titles, either suggestions from a hat, or from random passages in books. And then I improvise the stories from there. If you want to submit any story titles, you can email them to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com. Or from various other social media avenues. It is an age of communication, uh, an age of transparency, and all that jazz. A renaissance of Transparency, rather. And totally against, uh, privacy and fake virtues like that. That's all sarcasm. Uh, I think this era of technology is bogus. So much communication and so much ignorance at the same time, uh, it's a painful time to live through, but, uh, I guess the true horror is reality. Again, I digress. Now let's begin the show. This first title is going to come from the legendary uh, portable disruption generator by uh, Eric J. Miller. Alright, this first story is called Forgiven. Oh, I'm going to need more Insta coffee. <laughs> Insta decap, that is.
Kids loved it. Adults were also moderately entertained by it. It was Bethlehem's legendary music fest. Obviously, before the pandemic, it took place every year. Just a fun town music festival, you know. Occasionally, some headliner bands would come in, you know, the likes of Stone Temple Pilots or MGMT. Or the legend, or one of a many legendary uh, ACDC or Led Zeppelin cover bands. Those cover bands can be a very integral experience to young kids who don't know ACDC or Led Zeppelin. But they see those cover bands uh, being exposed to those songs for the first time and they're just thinking, oh wow, shit, ACDC never heard this song Livewire before. Did these guys play TNT? The young boy's father looked down at him. Chuckled to himself. <laughs> uh, no, son. This is an ACDC cover band. Don't get me wrong, they know how to rock. But these are not the same individuals that uh, wrote the legendary song TNT. Back in Black, or Dirty Deeds, Thunder Cheap, or one of their various songs about balls. No, these are not in fact ACDC. CDC songs, <laughs> mixing them together, <laughs> you know, so that's how some cover bands do it, you know. But goddammit, little Anthony was just swooned by this ACDC cover band. every year and as he got older and wider, wiser he was he admired these bands that would come grind it out and perform for everyone while they ate corn on a stick eventually little Anthony uh, learned how to play uh, music himself really had this uh stellar uh, Fender Jaguar he was really into, and always jam out on that. It wasn't an actual uh, Fender Jaguar, it was one of uh, various beginner knockoffs, but uh, it was the only guitar he owned, uh, so he just messed with the guts in it and cultivated his own sound. And when he was a teenager and he was doing live shows at uh, bars and little festivals here and there, 
would just tune it really quickly if they had to go to a new song with a different tuning. about that first integral moment when he heard the band a whole lot of TNT. You know, most uh, rock musicians would hold ACDC up to the standard of great rock music, but not Anthony. He saw a whole lot of TNT and he was like, this is the fucking standard right here. He almost got to the point where he wouldn't even listen to ACDC songs unless they were covered by a whole lot of TNT. They had the moxie that he thought ACDC lacked. So when he was at the ripe age of 20, he uh, started sending demos to members of a whole lot of TNT. And they were all, of course, covers of ACDC, you know. All of their uh, iconic songs, like... Uh, Livewire, TNT, Whole Lot of Rosie, uh, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. He actually didn't do send anything from uh, Back in Black. He's, he he only sent he only sent out the song Back in Black. He didn't send out anything after Back in Black. You know. So I think when he, I think when 1980 rolled around, a lot of people were just like, "All right, that's enough for ACDC," you know. Back in Black was the last raw for a lot of fans, even the diehards. But still, we sent these demos, uh, not hearing back from them in uh, months. Till one day, uh. TNT, uh, wrote back to Anthony. His name was, uh, uh, Bill Scott. changed his last name to Scott for the sake of the band and the persona and all that. But he wasn't sure. But uh, anyway, in the letter, Bill Scott was just like, hey, uh, you know, Anthony, we liked your, we liked the uh, samples you sent us, you know, we thought you looked, you seemed to, uh, sounded really professional. Uh, we're actually looking for a new guitarist uh, if you want to swing by Bethlehem and, you know, audition. You know, we think that'd be really cool. Anthony couldn't have fathomed a, grand, a grander dream than to audition for the ACDC cover band that inspired him so much. to Bethlehem, 
really stopping for gas. But he made it to a whole lot of CNT's uh, studio. And he played some of his favorite songs from ACDC. Uh, TNT, Livewire, uh, Back in Black, a whole lot of Rosie. sort of all jammed together, you know. And then after he thought about it, he was just like, oh, fuck, I should have, should have brought, like, a little schoolboy outfit or something. should have danced around. But I'm just wearing my regular clothes. I wore a nice shirt, like an asshole. Gotta, gotta embody ACDC, man. But up until that point, uh, him jamming with a whole lot of TNT was the highlight of his short life. So the jam session ended. And then Bill Scott was just like, hey man, you're pretty good, you know. We got some other people to jam with, and we uh, had some other people come in, but uh, you're definitely gonna hear a call from us, you know, so So yeah, if you're in the band, we'll totally let you know, kid. Anthony was elated. Couldn't believe it. He barely fathomed it fathomed it. TNT, he just muttered that over and over. And during the whole ride, he listened to a whole lot of TNT, he listened to ACDC. And various other ACDC cover bands, all to get the different flavors of ACDC. And their bombastic power chords. without uh, him hearing anything. He was getting a little nervous until that call came. It was Bill Scott, and he just said, uh, yeah, Anthony. And Anthony was just like, yeah, Bill? Bill gave a nod, and was just like, you're, uh, you're in, kid, and you're, you're a new guitarist. And Anthony was just like, oh my god, this is great, thank you. Yeah, man, you're really fucking good, you know. But yeah, you can jam and tour with us, and shit, you know, just based on the way you play, you're well on your way. You can, like, eventually, I, I can see you, like, doing your own thing, starting your own band, uh, with your vision and destiny, you know. So, you know, we're honored to, like, be part of your journey, man, you know. And then Anthony was just like, no, I just want to play ACDC with you forever. And then Bill Scott was just like, um, cool, man, alright, well... drive up, you know, when we have practice, I don't know how that'll work, and 
the Nath here. So it's like, oh, I'll just move over, you know, I'll move over there. I think it'll be cool. And then Bill Scott was just like, cool, man. Well, we'll uh, how about let's, how about this? How about we have our first practice together in, uh, say, one month, you know, just uh, so you can get settled in, you know, moving's complicated. And then Anthony's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the conversation ends. Anthony's still muttering to himself about his ACDC glee. It doesn't take him long to pack all of his stuff. Drives out to Bethlehem. He found a super tiny studio apartment And he moves in and just packs all of his stuff and puts it in He's just like, ah, yeah, this is the life, this is cool So he started to go into practice and uh, they went pretty well, you know Anthony was able to keep in time He already knew all the material He pretty much knew every... ACDC song up to back in black, uh, backwards and forwards. And the more practices they had, uh, really Anthony's training was just to, you know, get into the, getting the character of, like, ACDC. Started to wear the schoolboy outfit and be like, hey, everyone, everyone call me Angus. I know I was Anthony, but I am trying to embody Angus now, so... And they're just like, yeah, cool. And he'd always be in an Angus type of character. Uh, we'd go out to eat burgers or whatever you do in Bethlehem. Go to record shops, you know. Music shops, bookstores. I'm sure Bethlehem has all that and more. Walk through trees, uh, hang out at the steel stacks, go to the casino, you know. All the plethora of Bethlehem activities. show together was coming up. They were a headliner for uh, one of the music fest stages on a Saturday night. When they talked it over, they wanted uh, Anthony or the new Angus to uh, kind of warm himself up uh, to play like a smaller venue uh, or go on the road a little bit so they can get used to traveling together. But it's just how booking worked. By the time they were ready as a band, the first act that they had to do was uh, Music Fest.
So Anthony just kept waiting. Waiting backstage, waiting for the moment to arrive. He wasn't usually someone who got nervous before he got on stage, but this nervousness was the most nervous he felt in his life. It was an immense pain that ran from the top and bottom of his body, shooting up and down. He couldn't feel his toes or his knuckles. He felt like someone was choking him from the inside. He could barely breathe. His skin was red hot and he was in a cold sweat. Bill noticed him and was just like, oh, Anthony, are you doing okay? Anthony was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be super cool, uh, ACDC, we're gonna do those deeds, dirty, done, dirt, cheap. And Bill Scott just, uh, pat him on the shoulder, and he's just like, you're gonna do great, kid, it's gonna be great. I have faith in you. And Anthony was just like, okay. Zeppelin cover band got their instrument instruments on and just got into it and Anthony God bless him uh, he got into it too he embodied Angus uh, the best anyone could did all the kicking and uh, did all the dancing and stuff such a high moment for him. He thought about any kids that were in the audience who might have seen this ACDC band and then made themselves aspire to also be in an ACDC cover band when they're older. And thus Anthony felt like he was passing the torch. And the experience filled him with glee. pretty nuanced. Uh, Bill Scott would just like pass him a glance like every now and then, you know, kind of like confusion or just like, dude, get your act together. Or, it was a blend of support and also concern and uh, a little bit of frustration. But Anthony only 
registered the frustration in uh, Bill Scott's uh, frequent glances. trying to embody the power of ACDC. He just thought, no, it has to be, has to be louder, it has to be louder, it has to be more powerful, it has to, has to, has to rock, it has to rock. So I kept jamming out, and his dance started to turn, turn into more of a frenzy, and he's getting more chords and rhythms wrong. frenzy, really uh, jamming out on the guitar, playing those power chords over and over again really fast, in no specific rhythm. The kind of chaotic energy you would probably want and expect at a good rock show. And the crowd was loving it at first, but it wasn't what the, uh, wasn't what the band rehearsed. disturbing dissonance to it. by the time he fell to the ground. The other band members stopped what they were doing, uh, went to his help. The medical team got on stage as well. Bill Scott had to make the announcement, just like we have to cancel the show immediately, uh, get Anthony to the hospital. Sorry, everyone. that the uh, show was canceled, but they also said they got to see someone electrocuted, uh, 
its own perverse way, that's kind of that was kind of worth the price of admission for people that showed up for the show. While the medical team was getting him on the gurney. muttering to himself, I'm dynamite, I'm dynamite, you know, and another wide array of ACDC lyrics, but that were coincidentally applicable to the, uh, situation, the literally explosive situation. After a week of the hospital, he was taking some visitors. He was still inspecting them. all the grates that appeared on his skin after getting shocked so violently. And after his family and close friends came to visit him, eventually Bon Scott, uh, Bill Scott, uh, came to visit him too. Hey man, Anthony, how's it going? Are you feeling alright? And Anthony was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing, uh, doing great, you know. Um, so yeah, I can probably, uh, do, I don't know how long I'm going to be in the hospital, but I'm totally, yeah, I'm going to, it's going to be uh, ship-shaped. It's going to be cool. And then Bill Scott was cool, man. So I, I don't want to, we're going to, just gonna break it to you uh, straightforward uh we're gonna go on tour soon uh and we hired one of our buddies to uh you know join us for the as a guitarist uh and play some, the, he knows a lot of acdc songs so we're just gonna go on tour together and you know just thought i'd tell you you're probably still in the hospital for the first uh, stretch of that time but you know just thought i'd tell you i want to tell you in person Anthony was just like, oh, well, I can, we can, I can all join, we can, I can join you, we can all hang out together and tour together, uh, once I'm out of the hospital, you know? And then Bill Scott was just like, sure, man, we'll talk about it. And Anthony was just like, hey, man, I, uh, I didn't, you know, I think I... I think I inhabited Angus too hard. I didn't mean to, like, spaz out or, or anything like that, you know. I didn't want to... Um, it wasn't my intention, you know. I just wanted to rock out, you know, stay, stay in sync with uh, ACDC. Uh, I don't... You know, I'm I'm really sorry. I, I'm sorry I fucked up the show, you know. It was, it was a big music fest show. Uh, it was important to me as a kid, and I know it's important to some other people as well, uh, including uh, any working musician doing that gig. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm sorry for spazzing out. Scott was just like, hey man, don't worry about it, you know? It's, it wasn't your fault, you know? You know, it's kind of... It's the kind of things if you that happens when you uh, inhabit ACDC, am I right? And then Anthony was just like, yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? And Anthony didn't know what his future was in the band. He didn't know if he would be invited back to the band. To be honest, Bill Scott wasn't sure if he was going to invite him back either. 
eventually Bill Scott, Bill Scott said, yeah, don't worry about it, man, you know. You're forgiven. Alright, this next story is called Ox. been a fantasy. Sure, there's a lot of ox on the prairie. If you go to eastern Oregon, you know, there are a lot of plains, and you're bound to see oxen there. But there's only one ox that really people seek out. It's an ox that can walk different worlds. And occasionally finds the time to visit a little prairie in eastern Oregon. and colonists uh, came in on the Oregon Trail and started to buy up land left and right. Some people would deviate from the trail and seek out the ox. No one quite knew uh, its true nature. traditional means to catch an ox or oxen. You know, some try tossing a rope around its horns and then reeling it in. And even some daredevils try to hop on it and try to break it like a bronco.
Crayola. Never seen again. excursion uh, with her family. Her father was really adamant about catching the ox. He talked about it in the most inane way that anyone could talk about something so spiritual and so mysterious. patch it, you know, and then after that I could sell it live or uh, harvest it for meat, uh, or even make a show out of it, or, you know, if the ox has any secrets, you know, they'll have to tell it for me for uh, its life, so I think it'll be good, it'll be good to have this ox in our life. Straits. And her father was coming up with all these wacky schemes to try to make a source of income. It was more of the fantasies of the a fantasy of the prospect of wealth and good fortune. Rather than the grit and work and hustle that is required to make it happen. Or even the knowledge of just not really pursuing that and just living off a small piece of land or whatever. But in the way he spoke, he had no conception that he was a guest in the land he was on. A sentiment that a lot of his uh, fellow travelers shared. shared this ignorance, uh, as well did Lucy, which is quite why they didn't understand why pursuing the ox was so foolhardy. Anyone who knew the area knew not to fuck, fuck with the ox. Don't fuck with the ox, won't fuck with you. see it at night. Some people on the Oregon Trail can see the ox from a distance, uh, very uh, translucent and phosphorescent, and then it would disappear in a mist or a fog. Never seen anything like it in her life before or since. 
She didn't know what to do with it. She just watched it for a bit. And to her, the ox didn't seem to notice her. But if the ox did notice, uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't really care. up and sees what Lucy's staring at. The ox. was grabbing gear to try to capture the ox. <coughs> he had a bundle of rope, a dagger, and a rifle. He barely had the hands to carry it, but he was in so mannequin thought that he didn't know what to do. So he brought all of it. strategy and what to do. He just didn't want the opportunity to go to waste. Lucy saw her father prepare to try to track the ox. She wanted to say, no, don't go, leave him be. But a morbid part of her wanted to know if her father could do it. Her and her family could be the one that could capture the ox. Get all the fame and fortune uh, attributed to it. So she watched him uh, go out to the prairie, slowly approach the ox. Now the ox was being more alert. But it still watched uh, Lucy's father with indifference. Or at least it feigned indifference. Lucy's father's hands were shaking. set up the rifle. At this point, the ox uh, thumped its hoof onto the ground. And the vibration felt like, felt like uh, close by thunder. father's rifle uh, didn't make a loud pop, 
was certainly loud for Lucy's ears. person would react to a cow swatting a fly with its tail. At first the ox perceived the man as a threat, but then second-guessing himself. The ox was actually uh, letting its guard down a little bit. The father let out another shot, and again the ox was motionless. Still a bit on the defensive, but also pretty confused. Probably at the variety of equipment that humans manage to uh, try to harm each other with, and other things. In the foolhardy attempt to harm this ox. Now the father was more visually nervous, visibly nervous. The ox noticed this. It didn't feel like it had to do much to really scare off the father. The ox just stomped its foot again. spinning it, ready to throw it on the ox. And he kept coming closer to the ox, because he wasn't really good at lasso tossing. And the ox stomped his foot again, this time more seriously, like a very concrete warning. on the ox's horns and tighten them, tighten the rope. Still, the ox was mostly motionless. And the father was so stoked, excited, just like, oh my god, I did it. I caught, I caught the ox. I caught the ox. He was in disbelief that he caught him by the rope and still had to wrangle, wrangle him in.
quiet. So she hiked up her dress and then ran, hiked up her nightgown, nightgown rather, and then ran to where her father was standing. see blood. It was a trail of it that kind of looked like skid marks. And she followed it about three yards away with her father's lifeless body. she wanted to scream, but felt like she lost her voice. I see your father uh, tattered into shreds. Instilled a very fresh and a very real rage in her. sharp and so vibrant for someone so young. It took her like an hour before she told her mother and the rest of her family about what happened to her father. She just spent that hour uh, staring at the body, staring at the prairie, staring at the sky, and scanning the hills and the horizon for the ox. Before she was ready to tell her mother what happened, while she was standing on the prairie, witnessing her father's corpse, she had the very sharp thought to herself, someday I'm going to catch that ox. Okay, this next story is called Ocean.
ship that sank near Alaska. were found and so is the ship. experience to both ride the seas with the Coast Guard and also recover the bodies and investigate them. It's always more difficult to investigate bodies uh, when they've been in the water, but Stacy accepted it as a challenge. salvage as many memory cards as she could. She was watching some video journals of the crewmates. A lot of them were just shooting the shit about what was happening on the ship, about their own relationships, how they missed their families and friend, friends on land. And how they felt fortunate to be on this excursion when the pandemic hit. same kind of isolation that many others felt. But it was something they prepared for, like uh, people during the pandemic. And the dilapidation of society that followed. Thank you. 
diary started to take a sp uh, specific turn, talking about their investigation. Correspondence with another investigation team about uncovering some sea apples and sea grapes. But they had scuba deer, scuba gear, and a so remarkable about it is that there was script and seal on the walls of the cavern. It was akin to a temple. And the crew members tried to speculate uh, what happened or where it came from. sunk under the ocean. But it'd be too deep for that. It wasn't like Atlantis. So Stacy took a break from the diaries and decided to investigate the bodies a little bit more. the way I empathize with the crew members and their lack of equipment they needed. She felt like she was in similar straits with her uh, investigation herself. Now, a lot of body inspections weren't being well documented or very thorough. Shit. That didn't quite make a precedence. 
she conducted the autopsies, she found that all the bodies were hollowed out. trails, their bones, all gone. to the diaries and the crew members were talking about these creatures they would see within these monuments. near her by a nearby hall. 
watching the footage was putting her on edge. speculations about the creatures that they saw. She loved myths as much as much as anyone. Myths and speculation. that she lived in, or the fear 
characters she developed within her own mind. Both of those ideas were ruled out uh, when she heard another pitter-patter, and then at the corner of her eye she saw a little creature uh, skedaddle in another room. There's something else here. with a new fear uh, beyond the one that beyond the ones that she felt with society or with her own anxieties one of the creatures was here with her sizable knife uh, back at the mortuary room. Used that to defend herself. She decided to seek out this creature. Because if the crew members were correct, this creature could not make it to the surface. footsteps and her own breath. that it was tearing, up, tearing at her clothes. 
express its mouth on our skin. And then she felt the sensation that the life of her was literally being sucked out. She could hear her bones crack. And all of her entrails slide uh, to the upper half of her torso. was facing downward and its body was on top of her head. So all of her insides were being sucked upward. gurgling sound and the creature started to get bigger like a tick she wasn't able to feel her body anymore so all, the, all she thought to do was to just stare at the ceiling thoughts were profound. Well, that was Quarantine's Week Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. Good night.